0: Save your seat now at growandemaiallist.com. That's growandemaiallist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. You're about to miss out. It is time. It is time for you to start sharing the knowledge you already have and get paid for it. Amy Porterfield's signature program, Digital Course Academy, is open and welcoming in a fresh class of students for a short amount of time. And trust me when I say you're going to want to be one of them. This program taught me everything I know about creating, selling, launching, and automating online courses. Courses that have made me millions of dollars, but beyond that, courses that have given me the time, freedom, and impact that I crave. Enroll today and get started at jennacutcher.com forward slash DCA. Plus when you join the digital course Academy with my link, I am also giving you an entire Jenna Kutcher bonus experience. I've literally thought through everything that you would want from me to help you implement and get success fast with Amy's system like the queen of courses, Amy, and the queen of simplification, me, teamed up to ensure that you follow through, implement, and have every tool in your toolkit. I'm talking templates, private trainings, insights into my own launches, and so much more, all waiting for you free when you join DCA time is running out, head to jennacutcher.com forward slash DCA to get your course and my special bonus offer before the doors close on September 28th. Again, that's com forward slash DCA.
1: What are the things that you never want to do again? (laughs) Because I think so many times we can build careers based upon just things that we're good at, right? But even though we're good at something, it doesn't mean that we enjoy it.
0: Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. When you look at your career path, do you see a series of happy accidents that led to a role you love? Has your career advancement been intentional and strategic? Do you feel ready for your next career move, but you're not sure how to seek it out or strategize a career leap that brings you to your best next step? Well, I know this show is mainly about entrepreneurship and advice for business owners, and don't worry, we'll touch on that. But a part of that is an incredible community of side hustlers starting and growing a business in your off hours and dedicating your days to advancing your career. Is that you? Well, then you're going to love this conversation with Kimberly Cummings. Kimberly is a career expert and leadership consultant, and her advice helps people navigate next steps in their careers, foster strong relationships to support those career moves, and create a plan to achieve career aspirations. Are you ready to make your next career move your best move? Let's get started with Kimberly Cummings. Thanks to Issue for supporting Gold Digger. Create once and distribute everywhere. Everything is optimized to post on your website and social platforms. Get started with Issue today for free or sign up for a premium account and get 50% off at issuu.com slash podcast and use the promo code GoldDigger. Digger. Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Gold Digger. Focus on managing and growing your business without spending a lot of time on recruiting. LinkedIn jobs will help you hire the right person for your role. And your first job post is free. Just visit linkedin.com slash Digger. Terms and conditions apply. Kimberly, I just want to give you the warmest welcome. Welcome to the Golddigger Digger podcast. I am so excited for our conversation today. Yes, I know it's going to be a good one. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you are an expert, like a peer expert in helping people navigate their career strategy and their next moves. And I think, you know, honestly, looking at this last year, like what a pivotal time for people to be super introspective and asking themselves these questions. But I'm curious about your career first. And so let's dive on into that. Like, where did everything begin for you? What is your story? So it began stumbling. And I think that's
1: pretty <laughs> normal for most folks. I think we have these dreams of what we're going to do after college or whenever that time is that you hit the workforce. And I definitely underestimated a lot of things. So my stick, I say is that my first job was just as ambiguous as I was. I needed a job with a paycheck. So I got a job with a paycheck and it was nothing like what I envisioned. I was, a I I think I was called a marketing assistant. I was not a marketing assistant. I was like a data analyst and I don't like data like that. So I did not really like it. So I did that for a little bit. And then I wanted more money because I live in the tri-state area. So at that time, I was making $25,000 a year with no benefits and living in New York and commuting into New York City. So if you do some math, I wasn't really able to do a lot of things. (laughs) On that salary. So I moved into finance strictly for the money. I did that for a few years, didn't love it, love it. And the first strategic career decision I ever made was when I decided I wanted to go someplace where I was going to be happy. Hmm. And that moved me back into higher education, which led me into career services after a year or so. And that ultimately changed the course of my entire career once I got into career services because. I loved helping connect people to jobs. I still remember the first student who got a job as a direct result of working with me and I was like this is this is it. This is I love this. I have to dedicate my career to
0: this. Wow. You know, it's so interesting because I think that if we're lucky and fortunate, we've had someone in our life that's kind of been like a career fairy godmother or someone that has kind of encouraged or guided us in a direction. But I think a lot of people have never had that experience. What did you do? I mean, what were your next steps? You get addicted to this feeling of almost being a matchmaker of sorts. Where did that lead you? (laughs) So after I realized, oh my gosh, like this is actually
1: a career, I threw myself into understanding what the path could look like, what happens next. So at that time I was a career development counselor at my alma mater and my day really consisted of just counseling students. And I wanted to know, okay, well, how high could I go? And at that time I was like, okay, I could be the director of career services. So I threw myself into professional organizations, into new relationships in that office of figuring out what was it that I needed to do to get myself to be a director of career services. So for the next almost 10 years after that first initial job, I moved around offices of career services to get the skills needed to become a director because that's all I wanted. And then ultimately I was interviewing for director jobs seven to 10 years later Mm -hmm. and I ended up leaving the field and going into diversity, equity, and inclusion in a corporate area. But for almost 10 years, I loved it. And I just threw myself into my own personal and professional development, making sure that I was the absolute best at whatever it was that I was doing and really mastering the work in my field.
0: Wow. It's so cool. It can really, when you think about it, like. Your job was to help match people. And you're also on kind of a parallel quest, figuring out your own career and your next move. And, and I mean, I don't know about you, but I never think we like totally arrive. I think we can find sweet spots for seasons, but like our identities are always shifting. Our passions are changing, our priorities shift. And so I'm curious, like what have been some of the best or most critical moves in your own career and how did you attract or pursue them? So I have this line in my
1: book that says, it's important for you to create a career that creates opportunities for you. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I drive home with all of my clients who work with me. You have to create a career that ultimately brings things to you. So through the relationships that I've been able to build, moves kind of came to me. Mm -hmm. I would be working, doing great work speaking at conferences thinking about what my next move would be and because of my network a new opportunity generally came to me or when i was ready to you know hit the streets and start applying people were excited to speak with me and ultimately invite me to apply to roles or interview me. And my move really came to me. And that kind of law of attraction or pursuing of the roles for me really came through building really great relationships. So I was never just this cold applicant in a pile of a million resumes, but people had already experienced me, seen my work and trusted that I'd be able to really come to that place and do the same. Wow.
0: I can just tell how, like, driven and dedicated you are, which I think <laughs> is just a testament to your character and and the way that you do strive to, like, be the best. I'm curious, you know, especially coming out of this past year that we've all collectively experienced and ventured through – I feel like a lot of people right now are feeling stagnant or stuck or stalled in their career. And so I'm gonna pretend like I'm one of those, even though I love what I do, but just pretend (laughs) like I'm one of your clients. What is the first step to getting unstuck?
1: So the first thing that I have everyone do is really kind of take stock of where they've been in their career and figure out what is it that brings you joy? What are you passionate about? what are your skills? And then in those skills, what are the things that you want to continue to do for the rest of your career? And even more importantly, what are the things that you never want to do again? (laughs) (laughs) Because I think so many times we can build careers based upon just things that we're good at, right? But Mm -hmm. even though we're good at something, it doesn't mean that we enjoy it. And that's where sometimes we can feel ourselves getting stuck. I almost compare it to building a business, right? In the beginning of building my business, and I'm sure in yours as well, like you do everything. Like there's nothing that you don't do from like (laughs) accounting to whatever your actual craft is that is in like the lovely bio. You have to do everything. But then as you're able to grow and expand, you start to take out things like, okay, well, I don't have to do my bookkeeping anymore. I'm not going to like mess around on TurboTax anymore. <laughs> I don't have to like do social. I can have, you start taking those things out. But I think professionals don't necessarily think about their careers the way entrepreneurs do in that you can work and build a career that is built upon your strengths and your passions. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of keeps you from getting stuck in, in this rut of just unhappiness.
0: Yeah. I love that you talk about what you don't want to do because I agree with you. I feel like people don't hit on that enough. It's like there's so much messaging, like pursue your passions or Mm -hmm. do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And you know, I was just talking to someone else and I said, you know, you've seen those pie charts where it's like what you think I do versus like <laughs> what I actually do. And, yep. and that passion piece, generally speaking, especially if you're an entrepreneur, only ends up being just a fraction of the time. You know, running a business is so much being the business owner. And I think a lot of people get confused on that. And so I love that you talk about what are the things you never want to do again? Because I think sometimes the things we hate tell us more than the things that we love.
1: Well, I will say, so I'll give you for my business and I'll give you personal. So in my business, I think because I do career and leadership development, Mm -hmm. people are like, oh my gosh, like, can you help me with my resume? And my answer is like, no, (laughs) no, I can't. I will refer you to someone else. I cannot stand doing resumes. At all. And I used to do them all the time in my full-time job and in my business. And now I'm like, yeah, no, I will hire someone out to do it for you. Then you can come back when it's pretty. And in my corporate career, I recently resigned from my job in May, but in my corporate career, I will say data analytics was always something I struggled with. I was able to get good at it to an extent but oh my gosh. Like once I was at a level senior enough to hire an analyst to yeah. do it, I was like, that was like the first thing I did. I was like, Oh no, I am not playing in Excel. Don't have me pivot table. And you know, when you connect like the Excel file to like a PowerPoint to make the graph, like, no, 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 no. no. That's that's not my ministry. I don't want to do it anymore. That stuff um. makes me cry. <laughs>
0: Isn't that awesome? And I think too, it it is empowering to, to just acknowledge those things. Cause I think Mm -hmm. so many of us, we want to wear all the hats or we find pride in doing things on our own, but there is so much power in like releasing those things so that you can get back to the things you're good at. And Oh man, it's just so valuable. So You've touched on this in your own personal experience, but I'm curious kind of walking people through, you know, we've all heard that saying, it's not what, you know, it's who, you know. And so can you talk a little bit about the role relationships play in terms of career advancement?
1: So one of the probably quotables or gems that people have loved so far in the book is that I say relationships are one of the only things that can expedite your success,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that is why they're so important. I think that whole shtick that you said about, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I think people get so upset about that still. Yep. They're like, I'm a really great worker, or I do this really great. I don't understand why I need to have relationships. And I hear you, but at the same time, you essentially need to use relationships in the way, let's say business owners use social media. If you are doing work by yourself and nobody knows about it. There's no marketing, no nothing. It's really hard to attract clients. And in the professional sense, when you are out there doing great work in your role and you want to move in advance, other people need to be able to co-sign. And that's mm-hmm. what relationships can do for you. And there's all different types of relationships. There's people who do everyday work with you inside and outside of your company. There are coaches and teachers who can help you learn a skill in a safe environment. There's mentors who you can kind of talk to day to day to help you navigate the world of work. Just everything from how to have a conversation with someone who you're having a disagreement with, to celebrating a win with you, helping you prepare for a presentation. And then there are the sponsors, which I feel is the new conversation in the workplace that everyone needs these sponsors who can really have the influence to move you to where you'd like to be. I always say like they take you from where you are to where you rightfully belong because yeah. they have the power to do that. So it's so important that you really take the time to build some of these folks because it's really just helping you advance in your career. like you can't advance if you're not an excellent worker right like that's the, yep. the baseline like you've got to be excellent but the relationships can kind of help you advance even faster.
0: How do you make these relationships? So I'm thinking, you know, the world has shifted so much. People aren't, you know, in their cubicles, they can't drop into someone's office and catch up on their weekend. We're moving into this zoom era and email, like what steps would you take to solidify, to create, to start those relationships?
1: So my friends always joke and say that I'm a DM slider. Um, (laughs) I will slide in almost anyone's DMs. And I've had, I've made some really great relationships, honestly, from meeting people online, in DMs, on LinkedIn, etc. I'll literally message someone and be like the short version of like, oh my gosh, like I love the work that you're doing. It's aligned to what I'm doing. Would you be open to having coffee for 15 minutes just to connect? And I've met phenomenal people that way. Um, I think it's important to try to reconnect in the same way online in the ways that we would offline. So all of those moments where you would meet someone casually, how can you recreate those instances online? And for me, let's say if you are attending a virtual event and you see the chats going crazy, I will try and pick out who are the most active people in here. How can I add them on LinkedIn and send them a message and ask to connect and talk about the event that we just attended? Hmm, or I I will try and be that person who asks the great question at the end to kind of shine a little light on myself. So people are like, Oh my gosh, you're that girl who asked that really great question. Matter of fact, I was, (laughs) you have to find ways or if a meeting ends early, who would you have sent a Slack message to, to Kiki and go grab coffee? You just need to try and do all those little things. And I know people have Zoom fatigue, WebEx fatigue, Microsoft Teams fatigue, all of that. But just find times in the month, set yourself a little goal of how many people you're going to connect with that month and just find time to do it. It doesn't have to be every day because I know we all have lives and we're tired of being in front of screens, but just make the goal of, you know, maybe the third Thursday of every month, that's going to be your connection day Mm
0: -hmm. and you just take the
1: time to meet everyone. You're so smart.
0: You're so smart and strategic. I love this. I love this. Okay. I want to know because you've seen and really walked with people through massive career changes and shifts and evolutions and pivots. What do you see as the most challenging career step to make? You know, there are so many different pieces of our career, whether it's just starting out or moving up or going into entrepreneurship or changing your entire path. Like, what do you think is the most challenging step?
1: I think moving from an individual contributor, so not managing teams to managing teams, mm-hmm. is probably the biggest step. Yeah. I have a chapter in my book that everyone loves. It's called Serving as a People Leader is a Privilege, Not a Rite of Passage. And I say that because so many times we manage people because we have more work. Not because we are actually excited to manage a team and develop them in the workplace. And the same goes for entrepreneurs. I think even more so that you hire people because you can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And we don't think about the career trajectories of those people. And I think for many early stage people leaders, figuring out how to manage your own career when you still have your own workload and managing other people's careers is really, really difficult. Finding that balance is really hard. So I think that's probably one of the biggest steps. Um, and there's not a lot of support either. Many mm-hmm. times it's just like, all right, you have this team, figure it out, go about it, hope they like you, and hope they get their work done. And it's so much more complicated.
0: Oh, I'm just like over here nodding my head. It's it's so funny because there will be days. I had a team meeting yesterday where I'm like, wait, I'm a boss. Like I never (laughs) thought or planned or even really truly desired to become a boss. And it's funny, my brother runs a company that's like a consultancy and him and I now we're both will find each other and be like what are you doing for maternity leaves for people are like, how do you do you know, like, how do we do build this company culture while also building a career while also being the front facing person while also being creative, you know, it mm-hmm. is, it's, it's a lot. And it's, it's such a privilege. I mean, holy cow, it's like amazing to be responsible for 10 people's livelihoods, but it's also a huge responsibility. So I love I love that answer because it makes me feel a little less alone.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. It feels crazy. And then when you get to the point of allowing people to do things on their own and having to trust them without you seeing it, that is a whole nother step. It's like training them, making sure your team has the culture, like you said, you're all bonded together, but then allowing them to do work autonomously. Yeah. It's a whole
0: nother level of trust.
1: Yes. It is.
0: How did I get so lucky to find so many incredible teammates to help me build and run this business? I never set out to be a boss, but hiring the right people to support my business made all the difference in growing this dream I had. Whenever I need to hire, I only turn to LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier to find and hire the best candidates for free. Get started by posting your job for free to reach LinkedIn's network of 740 million professionals. Fill out targeted screening questions to get your role in front of the most qualified candidates with the experience, skills, and motivation you need. Then it's easy to filter and prioritize the top candidates you'd like to interview. If you've heard me talk about my hiring process before, you know that I like to move quick. And I've made all of my recent hires on LinkedIn in seven days or less because it's just that streamlined and I was able to find the perfect person without having to sift through endless resumes. LinkedIn Jobs will help you hire the right person for your role. Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash gold digger. That's linkedin.com slash gold digger to post your first job for free. Terms and conditions apply. If you create visual content and you've been looking for a way to seamlessly share that visual content on your website, beyond just dropping a photo onto a page, you have to explore Issue. Issue is the all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital content from marketing materials, magazines, flipbooks, brochures, and more. Whether it's your brand media kit, a client portfolio, a digital magazine, or another piece of visual content, Issue can help you display it all in an easy-to-view way on every device. Make it once and distribute it everywhere without having to reformat it. Your content is already optimized for engagement and it's ready to share. Get started with Issue today for free, or if you sign up for a premium account, you'll get 50% off when you go to issue.com slash podcast and use the promo code gold digger. That's I-S-S-U-U dot com slash podcast and use the promo code gold digger at checkout for your free account or for 50% off your premium account. That's issue.com slash podcast with the promo code gold digger. Okay, so... Talk to me about what you think. And I'm curious, you know, in context of your own career, but also in how you coach and lead, you know, is there a right sort of strategy? I feel like so many people talk about like a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, a two-year plan. When we're looking at our careers, is there any like secret sauce that we should be thinking about? Or is it, you know, circumstantial or priorities-based? How do we kind of navigate moving forward into the future?
1: So every career has its own nuances. So I always give the disclaimer that you have to apply the nuances of your industry. But for most professionals, it's so important just to have any type of plan, have some thoughts about where you'd like to go. And I like to kind of remove the stress a little bit. So when I'm speaking to a client, I'll literally snap my fingers and I'll be like, where do you want to be in 10 years?
0: Yeah.
1: And force them to kind of like give me an answer. I'm like, nope, three seconds. What's your gut say right now? And then cut that in half and then in half again. And then start thinking about what are the skills that you need to add to your toolkit in order to reach those goals? I do a lot of comparisons, I think, on this podcast because you have a lot of business owners here. But when you're thinking about scaling your business you have numbers that you're looking to reach, a certain amount of clients that you need to reach, a certain way that you're going to integrate systems and strategies in order to reach the goal. And there's milestones and professionals need to do the same thing. So when I was looking to be a director of career services, I went and I did an assessment of other directors of career services in my network. And I went... Deep diving on LinkedIn. It's like, how did they get here? It's like, yeah. what skills do I need to have? So at that time, I was really just doing counseling for undergraduate students. And I was like, okay, well, I need to do graduate students. And I need to understand alumni population. So I became well-versed in everyone who is outside of lawyers and doctors, for the most part, from ages 18, when they don't know what to do with their life, all the way through in their 60s. And they just wanted to do something for a few more years, but they wanted it to be fun and not necessarily what they built their career upon. How could they apply those skills? It's like, okay, so I'm well-versed in career counseling for multiple folks. What else do I need to know? I need to be able to do more programming. How do I actually create programming and assess learning to make sure people are understanding what is it that I'm trying to teach or share with them that I had to understand employers? So how do you get employers to come to campus and recruit your students or alumni? I picked out these areas that I saw other people based upon their level of success and me wanting to have quote unquote their job really. And I broke that down into my plan as okay, what do I need to be doing every few years to add another tool to my toolkit so that I can reach that five or 10 year goal. That's how I really look at the strategy. It's all about adding tools to your personal toolkit that are going to help you. And if you change, that's okay too. It's just kind of updating the plan, updating the strategy and deciding, OK, what are you going to do next? I like, I think I shared a little bit earlier. I was like, OK, I want to be a director of career services. And when I was interviewing for those jobs after I spent so much time in career services, I was always top two and not number one in the job searches. And I, when I tell you I was devastated, Jenna, I was (laughs) devastated. And I got into this last job search and I was like, okay, this is it. I had the relationships. I had all the things. I was like, I'm going to get the job. I became number two again, but the top candidate ended up rescinding their acceptance. So they came back and said, do you still want it? And I was like, oh my gosh, I would love it. A little upset, of course, that I wasn't like their first choice, but I'm like, you know what? Maybe this is what's in the cards for me. I'm like, this is, they want me now. But then some junk happened over the course of two weeks and then they rescinded the offer that they gave to me. What? I was devastated and I was like, okay, this isn't like, maybe it's not in the cards for me. I took some time to reflect. And that's when I started thinking about going into diversity, equity, inclusion, and working on the the corporate talent acquisition side. And when I tell you, when the cards aligned for me to make that move, it happened within 14 days, Oh, wow. Of me learning about an opportunity, someone referring me, me interviewing, and then ultimately getting an offer. It happens so fast. So I think as much as you plan for your career, I always tell people you have to leave room for some magic. Things can just happen that, you know, take you to the next level. And you got to augment the plan because I wasn't ready. I was thinking that happened in December. I was like, okay. In January, I'm going to hit the streets. I'll be ready (laughs) to like go back on the job hunt because when that mess happened, it was in September. So I'm like, I need some time to just chill out and feel better about myself. And that happened in December. And I went into the new year with a completely new career, fish out of water. But it was phenomenal. So I think I always tell people that magic could always happen.
0: Ooh. I love that so much. And I, that story is just such a good illustration is like, you can plan, you can work for it. Mm -hmm. You can do all of these things. But, you know, I think last year reminded us of the uncertainty of everything, you know, it's always been uncertain, but we just became way more aware of that. And I'm curious for you or for anyone that you lead or teach You know, I think that nowadays, especially because we're so obsessed with, you know, setting goals and hustling and working hard to, quote, arrive at a destination. But have you personally ever landed in a position that you desperately wanted or that you worked really hard to get to and it wasn't what you thought it would be? And what did you do? Oh, yes. I most definitely (laughs) did.
1: I think in the third university that I worked at. So fun fact, let me back up a little bit more. Uh, Many of the roles that I've had after that first job in career services, you know, after all the fumbles and whatnot, when I got on my career path, were inaugural roles. So I was always the first person to be in the job. Or the role had been refashioned in such a way it was really brand new all over again. So, whenever you're in a brand new job, I joke and tell people that your job description is really a wish list because they really don't know what you're doing. You have to go in and figure out what you're doing and then tell people. And I really had this idea of what the job was. I thought I was clear. And three months in, I was miserable. I was just like, this is not working. I don't like it. I should have kept my other job. And I'm very candid with folks. I'm like, I believe in transparent leadership and that's yeah. top down and bottom up. So I told my leader, I was like, yeah, this is not working. And I kind of listed out like why it wasn't working and what I needed in order for it to work. And at that time, I really needed team I needed someone to come in and help me with the workload and I needed to have the backing to really work in one area versus having my time split in all these different areas because I wasn't able to really drive results and I needed budget. So I advocated for myself and I was able to kind of get myself back, you know, back on the good foot, back on track. But I think many jobs can happen that way. Even if you're not in an inaugural role, I think the job descriptions can be lovely and you think you want something. And then when you get in there and you're like, yeah, no, this is, this is not, not what I wanted. I think it's just so important to advocate for yourself or, you know, hit the streets. Yeah, and Not just leave, like I'm not saying hit the streets. I'm like, hey, thank you so much for your time. This is my letter of resignation. But start rethinking about what you can get out of the job during mm-hmm. your time there. I'm always big on maximizing the role that you're in. So get all the skills, all the tools, all the education you can and use that to help you land your next role and start planning.
0: So let's say that someone is in that position where they're like, I hate my job, or I am no longer fulfilled, or I want to do something else. What is your best advice for someone who is ready to pivot? I think a lot of pivots have happened in this last year. I think a lot of pivots are in motion and a lot will be happening. And so what if you want to go in a very different direction? Where do you start?
1: So let's say that they know the direction they want to go into, they know the industry or the job. The first thing that is so important is to figure out how has your past experiences prepared you for that new experience? So many times folks are excited to make a career transition. And it sounds like we're talking about that, like I call it the catastrophic transition when like yeah. your whole world is different, <laughs> new industry, new role, new everything. People are so excited about that transition that they don't really sell that they have a skill set or experience. I joke and say that they're coming and like, oh, please, baby, baby, please let me give me a chance. Give me a chance. I promise I can do it. Just give me a chance. And nobody wants that. I don't, when we're in the workplace, I don't want to just give someone a chance. I want to know that you have the skills that align with the role so that you can be successful. And if you have been working in the world of work for a good amount of time, even if you haven't, if you've just been working and you have skills that align, it is so important to figure out how your past experiences align to the experience that you'd like to have and understand how to tell stories when you're going through that interview process and networking so that other people can advocate for you and be excited about your candidacy for these moves. I always tell my clients that when you're in an interview environment, if someone cannot retell the stories that you shared in your interview, your stories weren't strong enough.
0: So, so, so true.
1: <laughs> and so I'm like, they need to go back to their team and be like, oh my gosh, I talked to this person. And when they told me about X, Y, and Z and how it drove these results, I was sold. You don't want someone to go into a review about you. They're like, ah, they're all right. You know, I think they were kind of good. So when you're making that pivot, you have to make sure that you align for the employer, for the hiring leader. You can't expect them to just understand your experience and who you are and be able to see why you're a great fit. You have to make it plain for them. Mm.
0: Are there any trends or things that you're seeing in the world now as things reopen and we kind of figure out what this new normal is in terms of career and leadership?
1: I think the biggest thing right now is people not wanting to go back into the office. Yeah. Yeah, so many conversations, so many CEOs, I won't call anyone out. But there are some CEOs who have said very plainly that work happens in the office. And that's where people need to be in order to get work done. So I think one of the biggest trends right now are professionals who work for some of these companies who don't want to go back, they want to continue to have hybrid work. As entrepreneurs, I think we're so used to working in hybrid environments and working from home, that it seems like it's normal. But some of these older organizations, the biggest trend right now is trying to figure out how do you retain your employees and allow them to have a work arrangement after they've proved that they could work from home for over a year, mind you, that they can continue to do so. Now, remote work, I would joke and say, isn't for everybody, right? Not everybody is responsible enough to really manage their time, their day, their workload from home. They may be doing a little too much laundry, a little too much Netflix, you know, a little too much Hulu, (laughs) and not actually doing work. But for the people who are doing work and have proved that they're able to work from home, There's going to be a big wave coming up as these companies start to think about returning home. I think a lot of companies are thinking about going back in like late August, September. So that's going to be a big wave that's going to, I think, make some, these waves are going to be crashing pretty hard on the shore when this starts to happen
0: going to be so interesting. I know, you know, for a lot of my friends that were able and fortunate enough to be able to shift to remote work, I was getting calls like, how do you do this? How do you ignore the dishes? Like, what do you do? Your kids running around my zoom background, like all these things. And it's like, You know, it's it's such a beautiful thing. Like it's such a blessing to be able to work from home. Like I'm literally watching my baby monitor while we're on this interview. And, you know, there's so many juxtapositions and, and nuances that you can welcome into your life with that remote work, but it is also challenging. You know, it doesn't come without challenges. Like where do you disconnect? Where does work start and life end and the other way around? And so it is going to be super interesting. And I think too, this generation is so much more receptive and savvy enough to be able to work from wherever they are, but it's, it's a big cultural shift really. I agree. It is. And I think even as I think about my
1: own transition into entrepreneurship this past spring, I even found myself struggling a little bit and I'm probably still struggling just a little bit because the world is really my oyster now. I really have total control over my time and with the book tour, you know, maybe it's like we talked about earlier, I feel like I don't have total control. So maybe I need to take that mess back, <laughs> but it's just so interesting that I don't have the traditional, I need to be on. I used to be online most of the time by 7 38. My yeah. role was global. So I probably didn't get off till 7 38 every yeah. single day, but it was, This container in which my work was versus now as an entrepreneur, my work is so much more personal to me and I don't really feel like I have a container anymore. Yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of floating, trying not to drive myself crazy and work too long because I found myself at my laptop at nine and I'm still smiling, but I know I need to get off and go to bed.
0: (laughs) I know it is such a balance and it's, you know, it's funny. I think everyone kind of has to go on this self-discovery journey of boundaries and, you know, flow state and schedule. And I mean, it is. It's a big discovery phase, but hopefully for those that can continue this, they've already worked out some of the kinks so that it's a little bit smoother. Okay, Kimberly, you have to tell me about your new book, Next Move, Best Move. Walk me through it. What is it? Why did you write it? What's the message? Oh
1: gosh, I am so excited about the book. So Next Move, Best Move, Transitioning into a Career You'll Love is really a guide to create your two-year career strategy for yourself. And it goes through so many of the topics that we talked about today from understanding where you are, understanding your skills, your passions, clarifying what your brand is, the relationships that you need, and really putting together a plan for you to make your next best move. Now that I when I say next best move, or next move, best move. It feels kind of corny since that's the name of my book. But and I really believe that there is no point in making any movement in your career if it really isn't your next best move, because you'll end up recycling jobs like basically old romantic partners, just hoping the next job is better and the grass wasn't actually greener on the other side. So I wrote this book because I wanted more folks, particularly women and people of color, especially to have access to the information to change their career. So many times we just hope for the mentor or the sponsor or the relationship, or we're just navigating alone the way I was early on in my career, and my goal is that my book will be the guide for people to take intentional steps to navigate their career in the direction that they'd like. And I've made it super duper, duper actionable. Literally at the end of each chapter, I have a section called your next move, which tells you exactly what you need to do from that chapter. There's many homework assignments so that you're really able to put together that two-year career strategy.
0: I am dying to know, what was it like writing this book in the middle of a pandemic? Because I'm assuming you were working on it last year, if not longer. So what was that experience like? So it was a blessing and a curse.
1: I think I am crazy. So I was still working full time, writing a book, running my business. Um, So I just never left the house for the pandemic. And because I just had too much work to do, but it was... I'd say it's a blessing because I was able to hone in once I really started writing because there weren't really many distractions outside of like Netflix and Hulu and watching TV shows. But then I'd say it was a curse because I realized I needed more inspiration. And it's hard to get that when you're bottled up at home and you're not able to go other places. The majority of my book was written before let's say December. I signed the book deal in April 2020 and the manuscript that was almost done done was submitted in December. So there wasn't really much travel and I know I wasn't comfortable hopping on a plane. I think I would have been able to write a little bit more if I had to teach more
0: inspiration just from being out in the world a little bit more. Well, I am so grateful that you wrote this book and I'm so grateful for our conversation today. Tell everybody where they can find you, connect with you, get their hands on your new book and anything else that will help them just understand what their next steps or their two year plan can look like. Definitely. So
1: you can find me all over the internet, generally Kim B. Cummings on Instagram and Twitter, my website, Kimberly B. Cummings, and all things about the book are at nextmovebestmovebook.com. There's all the links. I have a downloadable career strategy template, all the good things, and I love to hear from everyone. So please DM me, talk to me on my website, email me, all the things.
0: Well, you better take a, a note from Kimberly's book and slide into the old DMs. Like yes. if you don't take that away, that's how you and I connected. And when I saw your book was coming out, I was like, when are you coming on the podcast to talk about this? And so I'm a big DMer as well. I love that. <laughs> yes, indeed. You got to get in where you fit in. Oh. This episode was so fascinating to me because I feel like in so many conversations I have with friends and loved ones, so many people are wondering what is my next best move? Where do I go from here? How do I make a change? Where do I pivot? And I think what's so compelling about the way that Kimberly shows up is that it is so strategic and intentional and it's actionable. You know, it's hard for me to visualize exactly where I want to be in 10 years, but I know how I want to feel. I know what I want my days to potentially look like. And so taking that big, grandioso vision and breaking it down into digestible, actionable chunks, I think that's something we all can do. I hope that Kimberly's interview today gave you some ideas on how you can focus on building relationships or plan your next best move. And I'm so grateful for you for tuning in to another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. I can't wait to see what you do next. Until next time, Gold Diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger podcast.